Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Wide receivers each way. Leopard gets the snap. Zone read back to throw being rushed. Gets hit. Bubbles of football. Pick it up. Picked up yes. Nebraska. Racing toward the goal line. And scoring is Deontay Williams. Deontay Williams knocked the ball free. Scoop and score. It's all Nebraska right now in Lincoln. 23-3 Big Red. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Huge news today out of the state of Wisconsin. The Milwaukee Brewers have put pitcher Corbin Burns on the 10-day IL list. And oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers wants to be traded. <laughs> How about that bombshell this afternoon on the eve and the start of the NFL draft? Maybe the best active quarterback or one of the best active quarterbacks in the National Football League in the last 10 years wants to be traded. How big of a bombshell is that? Maybe Ben McLaughlin, he's just ready to set sail as the permanent host of Jeopardy. Maybe that's what he's got going. Yeah, well, I, I I know Jeopardy is interested in him. Yeah. You knew this wasn't going to be a good situation, starting with that last press conference he had after the Bucks game. I mean, he, he looked absolutely defeated, depressed, like all the air out of his balloon. He talked about how special of a group that was. And, you know, really after that press conference, I got the sense that that was kind of his farewell speech. Uh, from Green Bay. I mean, he even talked about how, you know, lots of guys in this locker room have decisions to make this offseason and, you know, himself included. And, yeah, he and that front office just haven't got along one iota, and it's just getting worse. And, yeah, it's, you know, him telling him that, that he wants a trade and the Packers telling him we're not going to trade you. It's It's a pretty toxic atmosphere right now in Green Bay. Just huge news, and, and this comes a year after the Packers shocked everybody by drafting a quarterback in the first round, the quarterback love out of Utah State, and everybody's like, what, what is that? Well, I mean, Aaron Rodgers needs good whiteouts. Go get you a whiteout to help him out. Instead, they go quarterback, and everybody's like, what in the world? Well, now, with the draft less than an hour away from beginning, you got Rodgers this afternoon, the story coming out from multiple places saying he wants out of Green Bay. I think he's – I kind of joked about the Jeopardy thing, but I think he really wants to do that. And he did a good job the couple of weeks that he hosted. They're all trying to find a replacement for Alex Trebek, who passed away six months ago. But um, maybe he wants to be out in L.A., Ben. Maybe he wants to be out there so he can do both. I mean, he's he kind of even hinted at trying to do both, which I don't know how in the world you get that done. But, I mean, this is, a, this is a bombshell story just hours before the draft begins. Is, or am I overselling? I think this is a huge story. Well, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, and he's one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it. So, yeah, I mean, this is huge news. And I think he's still got some pretty quality years left based on what we saw this past season. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely, I think it, it's huge news. And you think about other, you know, just even the Teddy Bridgewater situation, you know, from, from yesterday where uh, – where everything was kind of landing there and how many teams we thought would potentially be interested in, in Teddy Bridgewater. This isn't Teddy Bridgewater. This is a top five quarterback in the NFL. 
And, yeah, you better believe that – and I know the 49ers have inquired. I know there's other teams that have put in calls to Green Bay, too, to try and get them away, but Green Bay is keen on just holding them. Well, that'll be – I mean, it's going to dominate the talk of night one of the draft, uh, which is quarterback rich. You've got a bunch of quarterbacks that are going to go in the top ten picks. The draft begins in an hour. We're going to hear from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network to get his take on um, – a lot of these picks that are going to be coming down the pike tonight. The Jaguars have the first pick, uh, and that's Urban Meyer's team now. We'll see what they do. It's kind of thought that Trevor Lawrence is the guy, that he's absolutely the number one pick. I think he probably is. But what do the Jets do? What do the Niners do? Uh, and, and on down the road. So we'll we'll follow that as the night gets going. Again, they'll probably only be eight, nine, ten picks into this thing when we sign off in, in a couple of hours. All right, here's what we have on the program tonight. Coming up here in a few minutes, Nate Klaus of HuskerOnline.com is going to be here. The, the Huskers cannot officially host people this weekend because we're still in a dead period. The NCAA is not opening things back up for coaches to actively recruit until June 1st, so this will be May 1st on Saturday. But there are an awful lot of young men that are paying their own way to be here and to watch the spring scrimmage and to soak in the atmosphere of Husker Nation on Saturday. So we'll get the rundown on that from Nate coming up in just a couple of minutes. Mention Ian Rappaport will be here in the second hour. We'll monitor the draft as it gets going. We'll also go beyond the headlines in hour number two. Third hour of the program, we will have the, the final bout of the face-off between myself and Josh. I won week one. Josh stomped me last week. Ben, you weren't a part of that show last week. You were traveling up to Michigan. I, could, I couldn't get out of the starting gate. I mean, I was just frozen in the starting gate last week. Unfortunately, I've, I've been in your same seat against Josh, <laughs> and you know where he just runs the categories and you just sit there and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you just you, you're down 28 nothing in the first quarter <laughs> in a playoff appearance and you just see your season slipping away yeah, as the minutes yeah. tick off the clock. So we'll have that tonight. Our, our old buddy Andy Weingarten from Louisville will join us. We'll get the, the breakdown of the Derby, which is coming up on Saturday, the run for the Roses, the first leg of the Triple Crown. As we mentioned last night in Buy Sell, a couple of Derby questions came up in Buy Sell that Labor Day weekend was when it ran last year because of COVID, it got pushed back. They didn't run the race on Labor Day. And here we are back to its traditional setting of the first Saturday of May, which this year's May 1st. And so uh, 20 horse feel will get Andy's take on who he likes, what kind of track conditions we can expect for the, the run for the roses, which will be around 5:30 on Saturday afternoon. And of course, we want to hear from you five, three, one, five hundred forty six, eighty six. The number to dot us up with a comment or question. We're headed toward a huge weekend for Husker Nation. Big crowds expected for baseball all weekend long at Haymarket Park beginning tomorrow night at 630. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights are in town for the weekend series. Uh, the Saturday game will be at 4 o'clock following the spring football game, and then the Sunday match is a noon kick. The spring football game, 1 o'clock, 11 o'clock for pregame coverage here on the network. Ben will uh, join me along with Jeremiah Searles, and, of course, Matt Davison will make his appearance in the booth for the, the call of the Huskers' red-white spring scrimmage. And we did get today, Ben, the, the rosters were released uh, this afternoon for this thing, and, and it's stacked, right? The red team is the red team. Looks like it has pretty much all the ones playing on the red team. They'll be a big favorite in this thing. Uh, anything jump out at you? Anybody on the red team or not on the red team that maybe caught your eye at all? I think my my first takeaway is kind of what you alluded to there. Just you know, all the the members of the red squad, and um, you know, 
that's that's kind of I think where everybody's gonna you know turn to probably first when they see the uh, the rosters when they come out. I mean, I guess you know a couple of guys that I'm looking forward to watching on on the white side are Sevion Morrison and Noah Pola Gates, two guys that you know probably. Um, and Jacques Yant probably have have my biggest yep. attention on the white squad, but you know on, on the red squad, I think it's it's your usual suspects, and um, probably most people are going to be glued to the red jerseys more so than the white. Yeah, I I said this today. I was on a, one of our affiliates that uh, I'm really, and I said this last night on Sports Nightly. I'm really anxious just to see who's in uniform on Saturday because those running backs are still banged up, beat up. You still kind of wonder which guys are going to be there because when you saw the open practice, there were four or five of them that, that didn't practice. Are they back? Who's not going to practice? Who's not going to be part of the the scrimmage on Saturday? That that interests me too. You're right on Yant. I, I can't wait to get my eyes on him. There's been so much said written about him over the week but but Gabe Irvin was a star early in the camp back in late March and April when this thing got going the true freshman from Georgia he seemed to open some eyes early in the camp what what kind of shape does Marvin Scott look like he's in uh, can Ronald Tompkins stay healthy and help this team I just think there's a lot of storylines there to, to watch for from that particular uh, position group and, and I think I said this last night too I, I can't wait to watch him warm up just to see who's there and who's going to play and who's not uh, I, I hope a good chunk of them do because I'd like to see a lot of those guys get some carries and see what they can do out there. Yeah, running back's kind of been your position of of, of note throughout yep. the entire spring, and I think for me it's the receivers. I'm excited to see what. Um, I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna step off the Omar train just for one station and and catch the next one that comes by. I, I'll, I I'm not gonna take the easy way out. I'm excited to see you know a Will Nixon again. You know, does he show me what he's what he showed me in the practice? Is finding ways to get open. You know, Samari Toure in a game like situation. You know, what 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 type what type of problems does he present? A, a good defense. So I mean, I, I'm I've kind of locked in on receiver and. You know, obviously that take a bit of a hit this week with the news of Thomas Fedoni, but I'm excited to see what some of these guys do in some live rep type practices. And even in that second half, you know, you're going to get a lot of looks at, at some younger guys or guys that haven't yet contributed, you know, maybe like a Demarion Houston or a Jamie Nance. Can they put put those together right. and, uh, and put something together and, you know, provide, you know, some people with some optimism there? So I, I'm still going to be locked in on the receivers. And even like a walk-on like a Baron Miles, who, who a couple people at the open practice session focused in on and thought he did some good things. So there, there, there's just so many intriguing storylines that I think we're going to be following as the game unfolds. Uh, we, we heard from Scott Frost yesterday saying that it's going to be thuds for the first half, uh, maybe tackle to the ground in the second half. He just does not want to risk somebody getting hurt in the spring game. I say it every year. It's one of those, uh, one of those things where – you just you hold your breath every time somebody is slow to get up you're like oh boy come on come on don't don't be hurt don't be we, we want you for the Illinois game in August so do not be hurt uh for this thing on Saturday so it should be should be a lot of fun and again we'll talk to Nate in a couple minutes here about who's going to be in the stands prospective student athletes that are certainly high in the Huskers this Nebraska recruiting class could use a little bit of a jolt only two commits right now for the 2021 class so, um, or, what, or is it 2022? What what year would this This would be the 22 class, right? Yeah. Isn't that right? <laughs> yeah, because the 21 class, even though they all signed in December, 
is still kind of credited toward the, the year ahead of them. So, all right, big show here tonight, 531-500-4686. We'll have an eye on the draft as it gets cranked up here in about an hour. And when we come back, Nate Klaus, he'll stop by. We'll have a good chat with him next. We're back here on a Thursday night, Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. It's our last show of the week. We'll have Husker baseball in the air tomorrow night as they open their series with the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Time for us to check in with Nate Klaus from HuskerOnline.com. Before we dive into the weekend, Nate, and who might be in attendance for this thing, how, how big a draft, Nick, guy are you? Are you big into the NFL draft, or is it just something you casually view? What is your interest level starting tonight? Um, yeah, you know, it kind of varies year by year. Obviously, you know, the years that Nebraska has got more draftable athletes, uh, you know, the more interested uh, I am. But you know, I pay attention, you know, at least casually every single year. It's always pretty fascinating to me um, <clears throat> to be able to see who's getting drafted and kind of remember, hey, you know, I, I talked with that kid when he was, you know, a junior in high school, you know, and, or, you know, after he visited Nebraska or, or whatever. It's always kind of neat to see uh, where a lot of these players end up. But, um, you know, I, I think that's kind of the, the intrigue for me. I'm not, I'm not a huge NFL guy, and, and I'm not, I don't necessarily have, you know, a, a main team that I root for, but uh, it's the recruiting side of things, you know, in terms of, where these where these players went to high school um, and where what college they ended up going to and and then who they're getting drafted by that's interesting to me. Well, yeah, and you know, it, it, getting to the league is a big deal, and programs recruit to that, and that's not been a strength for Nebraska really the last five six years, right? I mean, Nebraska's barely gotten guys into the league, and I, I think it's it's not a total grade card on your program if you're putting guys in the National Football League, but it's part of it, and. That's, I think, the challenge right now for Scott Frost and his staff, isn't it, to get more guys that are going to be playing on Sundays? There's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, as soon as the draft starts and, and names start coming off the board, um, you start to see college football programs tweeting out graphics, you know, putting things out on social media, you know, the, you know, however many years in a row you've had a number one, you know, a player go in the first round or, or X amount of players go in the top three rounds or whatever. You, know, you start to see those graphics circulate on social media uh, almost right away. And so it is absolutely important, uh, the draft. You know, I think not only is it usually a pretty good indicator in terms of, you know, how successful your program is or, or how much talent you have, um, but <clears throat> I think uh, just in terms of recruiting, you know, that's, that's something that all these you know, highly recruited athletes, um, you know, they, they all aspire to be playing at the highest level one day. And, and when you can show them that, hey, you know what, we, we do a pretty good job of develop, developing guys and getting them onto that level, you know, it makes, uh, makes it a little easier for you to, to pitch, um, you know, pitch them to, to come to Lincoln, Nebraska. And it's, you know, unfortunately, I think it's been longer than just the last five or six years. You know, I, I was uh, I was listening to a, a radio show uh, not too long ago, that, uh, and they said that the last offensive player to be drafted in the first round was uh, was Lawrence Phillips. So I mean, that that goes you know back away. I think the last defensive player was Prince of Mukamara. So um, it's it's been a while, but I, I, I do think that um, you know I think we'll see that that trend uh, turn around here. Uh, as long as uh, they keep recruiting at a high level and, and keeping these guys in the program. 
Wow, that's great. That's great party trivia right there. I would have got Prince. I don't know that I would have gone clear back to Lawrence Phillips of the offensive side of the ball. That's a good little party trick right there. Again, visiting with Nate Klaus of HuskerOnline.com. All right, spring game coming up here. The coaches still can't have contact with these guys. I even heard Ryan Held say this week, I'm not even going to look up in the stands. I'm going to keep my head down because I don't want to get in any kind of trouble with these guys. And yet the gates are open, so some of these prospective student-athletes can come here. Are, are, is there going to be a good number on hand, or what, what have you been able to discover as you've worked this here the last week or two? Yeah, it's really fascinating. You know, it is going to be a pretty good group of players that are making their way to Lincoln for the game. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be drastically different than it, than it normally would be. You know, normally these players would arrive, you know, two or three hours early and they would, you know, go in through the football offices and be able to take a tour of the facilities and you know, eat a pregame meal and, and meet with some of the coaches and maybe even get a presentation from the strength and conditioning staff or academic staff, life skills, you know, Keith Zimmer and, uh, would would give a presentation maybe, and then they'd go to the game, and and um, and then maybe even have a barbecue afterwards, and kind of get the red carpet treatment. But you know, this year with it being still the dead period, um, the players that are arriving and going to be in attendance, they're they're just like every other fan. You know, there's not a specific place where they're going to be sitting in the stadium like they normally would. They're not going to be able to be on the field for for pregame warmups. Um, or go into the locker room after the game. They can't have any face-to-face contact with the coaching staff. So um, it is really no different than being just a normal fan. But uh, we've already been able to confirm close to 20 prospects that have offers from Nebraska that are going to be making their way uh, to, to Lincoln for the game. And, you know, a lot of those guys are regional recruits, but a lot of them are actually coming from, you know, all corners of the country. So hmm. uh, it's still going to be a big, a pretty big recruiting tool, even though it's not going to be, you know, a normal spring game experience like like what we've seen really uh, kind of going all the way back to 2004 when it when it really – the spring game really kind of turned into a huge, you know, kind of spectacle or a huge recruiting tool for Nebraska. Do you do you think some of those 20 may get together as a group? I mean, these guys are pretty creative and kind of seeking each other out on social media and creating text chains and uh, hey, or you know, and, and maybe even a couple of the ones that are committed may lead the charge on that. But do you think some of them maybe congregate before or after the game just to kind of talk about hey, let's 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 all join this together and make this thing work? Yeah, there's no doubt that that is certainly going to happen, and not with all of them. You know, I I, I would be surprised you know, if if we heard about you know ten, fifteen of these guys getting together and hanging out. But I, I do fully expect um, to hear you know at least of maybe three or four different groups of guys that have maybe two to three to four you know players that that kind of know each other through certain circles or you know maybe they maybe their teams in high school have played against each other or or, uh, or maybe they're even traveling up together with uh, you know to go to the game in the first place so uh, there's going to be a lot of those guys that are getting together and and actually you know some of the guys that I've spoken with they're not only are they planning on going to the spring game, but they're planning on on trying to get over to Haymarket Park and, and going to the baseball game too. And actually, a, a lot of these guys are dual sport athletes, football and baseball. So, um, you know, with the weather, the way that's shaping up, and and uh, you know, everyone's going to be fired up to be inside Memorial Stadium once again. And and of course, with uh, the baseball team and how they're playing, I mean, this could be a really big weekend for Nebraska. Uh, you know, in terms of 
of recruiting and, and just kind of, you know, just kind of kicking off what, what is going to be a really busy, you know, uh, here a couple of months now that the, the recruiting debt period is going to be ending at the end of May. Yeah, and the coaches can't wait for that this, the month of May to get over so they can get back to kind of business as usual. Visiting here with Nate Klaus of HuskerOnline.com. As he just mentioned, about 20 prospective student-athletes expected to be at the spring game on Saturday to watch Husker football and probably view the fan base and see what kind of what kind of fans are going to come out for this thing. Is there any chance of somebody verbally while, while they're in town? I mean, I know they can't go see the coaches, but could you see a commit or two coming in the next week or so from this group? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not necessarily expecting that to happen, but at the same time, I, I wouldn't be totally surprised if it did happen. You know, and I think you kind of have to look at, um, you know, how the class is, is already shaping up. You, you've got two commitments in that 2022 class, uh, Ernest Hausman is an inside linebacker out of out of Columbus, of course, and and you've got Victor Jones, the wide receiver out of Orlando, and um, you know he's not going to be able to make it to the game. But you know, with one wide receiver already committed, you know that that maybe leaves you know they've got room for for sure one more, maybe two more. But I think you know there's there's some wide receivers out there uh, that are going to be going to the game that. I think they, they kind of know that, you know what, there's not a whole lot of space left, and uh, it's kind of first come, first serve for that spot. And, you know, someone like a Quentin Conley, who's a big 6'4", 210-pound wide receiver out of the Kansas City area, uh, is going to be, you know, making his way up to Lincoln again. Uh, he's visited for several games in the past, and, and even, uh, you know, a spring game back in 2019 when he was a real young prospect. So, you know, that's somebody that – that could possibly make a decision sooner than later, but uh, for the most part, I think I think this weekend is is uh, you know maybe going to be one of those weekends where it, eventually it, it played a huge role in in leading to an, a commitment. Maybe not necessarily um, leading to one you know right away though, if that makes sense. Yep. One, Nate, one of the the the, the most uh, gripping quotes to me of spring football was was offered up by Greg Austin, Nebraska offensive line coach, when he said, "We're having to constantly recruit our current team because of the transfer portal, and you got to keep the guys in your room happy, satisfied, pay attention to their emotions, how their body language is." That struck me because we've really entered a new era of, of college football with the transfer portal now becoming such a big part of it. How much has that added to your workload, just having to track guys that are popping out that maybe Nebraska has a history with? Maybe they recruited them out of high school but didn't get them. I, I got I to gotta believe that this has added to you, you and guys like, that do stuff like you do to your workload. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's added a, a new wrinkle to everything. Um, you know, it's you know, it didn't used to be that way. Um, you know, we all know that that uh, you know, there's always been transfers, especially here over the last you know, 10, 15 years or so, but not like it is now. I mean, it's it's almost like free agency now to a certain degree. Um, you know, and, and then you know, you add in the fact that uh, these guys are now you know soon going to be able to uh, to transfer without penalty as long as they're in good academic standing and you know good standing with the university that they're at and the the football program that they're at. Um, at least you know, kind of have one free transfer. So um, it's only going to become more and more common, and um, you know, it's a little bit more difficult to to kind of track because you know under a normal year. 
you would kind of have a pretty good idea where the coaches are going during an evaluation period or, you know, who's coming in, what high school prospects or even junior college for that matter, you know, what, what prospects are coming in for a visit. But when it, when it comes to the transfer portal, you know, a lot of those, um, you know, a lot of those recruitments are happening behind the scenes. You know, that's mostly uh, just, uh, there's just phone calls and, you know, it's, these are players that have already been through the recruiting process. They don't necessarily care as much about the facilities and about, you know, all the, all the new shiny things that a program might have. They're looking for a different situation. They're looking for an opportunity to get on the field, um, you know, sooner or for more playing time or, or for an opportunity to win more football games or whatever the case may be. So um, it definitely has added a new layer to my job. Uh, but it's also it's kind of a, a layer that's completely different than than your normal you know following your normal recruitment of a high school or junior college kid. Yeah. All right, I'll let you go with this. I know June first it opens back up. It looks like Nebraska is doing a pretty good job of getting guys locked into coming on campus. Um, it looks like it'll be really active, particularly the first couple of weeks of June. Is that how you're seeing it? Oh, yeah, for sure. It, it's going to be an extremely busy month for this coaching staff. You know, just the other day, Ryan Held joked that he was, he was telling his wife uh, that, you know, once May is over with, uh, I'll, I'll see you in, in July because <laughs> June is going to be so busy. Um, you know, we've already confirmed close to 20 official visitors uh, for the for the four weekends that, that, that are in June. Um, and that number will certainly climb as, as we get closer to, to June. Um, you also have, you know, just about a week, week and a half ago, Nebraska released their, their summer camp schedule, which includes two Friday night lights camps, um, you know, the, the O-line, D-line pipeline camp, a couple of individual camps along with a couple of youth camps. Uh, so they're going to be busy on campus with their camps. And also, you know, they're also going to be able to, to kind of travel the country and attend their, their satellite camps, their, their normal, you know, kind of that normal schedule. So um, they're going to be all over the country. They're going to have kids from all over the country on campus, uh, in addition to a lot of campers uh, on campus, too. So uh, the month of June is just going to be it's going to be kind of like the wild, wild west. Every, every recruit out there has been itching for a long time to, to have the opportunity to take these visits. And, uh, and of course, you know, it's become very competitive with all the college coaches trying to get these select players to their campuses. So uh, it's going to be really, really fun to, to finally have a lot of that type of news to track down uh, for myself because we just it just hasn't happened for about the last 15 months or so. No doubt. Just another sign of things getting back to normal, and it is such a breath of fresh air to hear stuff like that happening. Nate, we appreciate it. We'll let you go so you can settle in, watch that draft tonight, and then uh, get ready to, to maybe meet up with some of these guys over the weekend. We appreciate the update. Thank you. You bet. Have a good one. Live music going on there in Cleveland. A lot of people, they're in person again after being virtual last year, which was kind of cool, actually, the way they pulled that draft off a year ago but back to more normal this year and it's going to be a bevy of quarterbacks to get this thing launched the top four more than likely will be quarterbacks maybe even five of the top 10 could be quarterbacks we'll see how this top of this draft unfolds here in the next hour we're going to hear from Ian Rappaport here shortly and later on in the hour we're going to go beyond the headlines but none better Ben than Ian Rappaport to break some things down for us yeah, nice enough to give us some time earlier today before things got crazy uh, out there in Cleveland. He is boots on the ground 
uh, at the NFL draft as we would expect. And Ian, of course, nice enough to give us a few minutes and just started out by asking Ian what it's like after last year, almost a year ago, we were preparing for a virtual draft to be back in person at the NFL draft has to feel pretty good. Oh man, it's, it's good. I'm actually, as I talk to you right now, I'm staring at the draft shell. It's like kind of a big sort of like concert shell, you know, um, open on one side, big bright lights, banners everywhere. Uh, they're kind of going through and, you know, this team is on the clock. That team is on the clock. They're doing announcements. The Kings of Leon were practicing um, <laughs> earlier today. You know, there's, it's, it's live and in person. And, and honestly, it makes you feel pretty good that it's happening. I'll say that. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about Jacksonville. I think everybody's mock draft from all across the, the world here has Trevor Lawrence going num- number one overall. What do, you, what do you like about Trevor Lawrence as a prospect? And what's the, what's the prospect of him in Jacksonville and, and how he can help turn that franchise around? Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would say, you know, he, I think we've all known he was going to be the number one overall pick probably ever since he went to college, honestly. Um, and, you know, it was, it was fascinating. I talked to Urban Meyer early in the week just about how they actually went through it. Like, what did they do? You know, was it obvious? And he basically told me the story of them picking, you know, the three top quarterbacks, um, then putting through Zooms, going through the film. It was Justin Fields, it was Trevor Lawrence, it was Mac Wilson, uh, or Zach Wilson, and kind of, uh, you know, kind of going through it and making sure that this is the guy. And I think they became really comfortable with Trevor the player, really comfortable with Trevor the person. Um, I think they are very happy with their decision. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say uh, I think he's a perfect opportunity he's got in Jacksonville. He's certainly got enough draft picks to build around him. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, another prospect that everyone's intrigued about and us college football fans here at Nebraska watched him a lot, as particularly you know late in the season in the SEC, and that's Kyle Pitts. When you look at Kyle, Ian, what stands out about him, and what about his skill set is going to translate so well to the NFL? I mean, I, I'm not sure I've really heard very many prospects like him because everybody loves him for every reason. Person, athlete, position he plays, being multi-talented, being able to do literally everything. I mean, it's just... He's like an uber prospect. And, you know, I don't think anybody's going to trade up for him, but I would not be that surprised for real. Like, that's how, you know, that's how good he is. Um, so I think, you know, he's going probably, you know, either four or six. And I think someone's going to be extremely happy with the prospect they get. Absolutely. Ian, what's, there is a lot of conversation of what's going on uh, in San Francisco right now. What, what's your take on what they want to do and, and where they want to go with their pick? Well, I think they're down to two people. They're down to Trey Lance and they're down to Mac Jones. And I can honestly say, like, despite all the, you know, the rumors and, and everything, like, I really don't know which way they're going to go. I mean, are we 100% sure it's Mac Jones? You know, I don't, I don't know that. Um, I really don't. You know, I would say – um, you know, it's it's something they're considering very strongly. I know that they've been getting a lot of film on Trey Lance doing the things they do. I know he's got a really high ceiling as a prospect, and I know they love Mac Jones and his intellect and, you know, the product he put on the field at Alabama. Um, you know, I, I would say whoever they pick, they can't go wrong. If they pick Trey Lance, it makes a lot more sense keeping Jimmy Garoppolo because, you know, you'd like him to, um, you know, you'd like him to have some time to develop if he's not ready this year like that's okay you know um but I, I really don't know which way they're going to go now they seem to know but i don't think they're going to tell anyone 
Yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to see. I know that that pick has been under the microscope the last few weeks. Another prospect that's yeah. been under the microscope um, is one here in Big Ten country that you know we thought did a, did a lot to improve his draft stock. It seems to be going the other way for Justin Fields. What, what's what's your take on on Justin Fields and you know where teams are at on him and and where his potential landing spot? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't necessarily know that he's falling. I just you know, if he doesn't get picked by the 49ers, I think everybody will lose their mind. And when I reported that they were down to two and it wasn't him, everybody sort of more lost their mind. Um, you know, so I, I just um, – it, it, it just seems like not a great fit early on. I mean, now, you know, 49, the Falcons take a quarterback and they pass on him. It'll be a little bit curious. I mean, the epilepsy thing, his personal health situation has caused some teams to um, – dig into that and, and really get, you know, kind of look at, you know, what do they really, uh, what do they know about his health? How much would it affect things? But, you know, I, I haven't heard a lot of negative about him. It's just, I'm not sure how early he's going. Um, if the Broncos don't take a quarterback, you know, he'll certainly fall out of the top 10. And then it's like, who trades up to get him? Yeah, I think that's, that's kind of the big question there. Ian, who are you most intrigued to see their draft day moves, particularly early on? What franchise do you have your eye on? Just as far as teams that I can't wait to see their pick? Yeah, or just pure intrigue or uh, just amount of draft picks that, that could change. And though the Raiders had, have had some classes where they loaded up, who, who do you have your eye on? Um, I mean, the Raiders, you know, Raiders are always intriguing. You know, could they take Caleb Farley? I think that would be something that would be really interesting to me. Um, the Patriots, man, like, are the Patriots going to take their quarterback of the future? Is that, you know, is that something where – um, I, I, you know, I know they like the quarterback. I don't think they're going to trade up, up, but, you know, could they take their quarterback of the future and go into the next 20 years with someone not named Tom Brady? Or do they say, you know, we don't like these quarterbacks enough and we're not going to take one. We're just going to take a later on guy and see what happens. Um, I think the Patriots, I'm certainly interested. The Ravens have two first round picks. Um, they don't have a ton of holes, but they got some places they can improve. What do they do? Do they package it up? go up and then I think the New Orleans Saints um, you know them potentially moving up uh, maybe for a corner um, you know I would say that that'd be another thing where I'm just I'm fascinated to see which direction they go I'm kind of kind of can't wait for that one uh, so we'll, we'll mark them down on our radar and see where we go hard to believe that draft day is right around the corner Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network breaking it down for us Ian thanks so much for carving us in a busy schedule enjoy the draft out there man hopefully things go a little bit better than they did last year and you can enjoy this thing in person thank you so much uh, I cannot wait great talking to you as always my man That's the way it is. Good night. Beyond the headlines. Well, technically, I get to lead off with the uh, the first topic of the night, but Austin actually wanted to jump in first. He has a probing, pressing question that he wanted to ask mm-hmm. Ben specifically. Two of them. Two, of oh, them. Two questions. Oh, first of all, is it worse that I've never seen draft day or never been to a tailgate? Um, tailgate by far. Which is a better movie? And, and, and I would say Draft Day is even more forgivable than Moneyball. That's, uh, that's that leads, leads me into question, question number two: two. <laughs> better movie, Draft Day or Moneyball? Moneyball? Moneyball is the better movie. Okay, um, not particularly close, and it's way more forgivable having not seen Draft Day. 
Yeah. Josh, you've seen it, haven't you? I I've seen Moneyball, but not Draft Day. Oh, so. I'm telling you, your 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 wives would enjoy Draft Day, right? I, I there's I, yeah, there's there's the, enough in there for women to enjoy it too. If I can find it, I'll I'll watch it. So there you go. Thanks All right. For, thanks for letting me get those two in real quick, guys. Right. You bet. Well, let's uh, let's turn the attention over to me. I feel like that's something Tim would say, but <laughs> <laughs> literally turn it over to me. Uh, this is kind of old news, but we need to get your reaction to it. Last Saturday, a special event took place here in Lincoln at Air Park. It was dubbed the Josh Fight or Josh Battle, among many other names. But the gist of it was hundreds of guys named Josh and numerous spectators gathered last Saturday to fight with pool noodles in a battle for the right to be named Josh. And this story actually started over a year ago when a a uh, gentleman in Arizona named Josh Swain challenged all the other people on Facebook with his name to battle uh, for the right to be named Josh Swain. So it morphed into what ended up happening last Saturday, and in a feel-good ending, a four-year-old Josh ended up winning the crown. I was not there, but if I had been, how well do you think I would have done? You, you probably would have took the four-year-old down. Oh, well, yeah, honestly, I mean, yeah. I would think, but... Yeah, yeah I, th- I think you'd have dominated. <laughs> I'm a little surprised you didn't go. I know. I thought about it. It was a nice day, too. I, I did end up watching a live stream of it, but... Um, that thing got so it much got so attention. Big. Yeah, it got so big. Like national attention. Yes. Yeah. I was just really confused as to what it was. I mean, I, I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, I just kept seeing, well, you know, Josh and then people fighting with pool. I mean, I don't even know how they determined a winner with whacking each other with pool noodles. I probably but. was a little bit more uh, into it or had a little bit better knowledge of it because I felt obligated to do my research and find sure. out what exactly <laughs> it was. But, yeah, it was uh, definitely a bigger spectacle of an event than uh, than what most people would have thought. This is a true nice. story. I'm, I'm in the lobby of our hotel in East Lansing on Saturday, and I'm seeing Twitter traffic about it. So I go up to a couple of the Husker baseball players, and I go, what is this? And one didn't know. One, I think it might have been Cade. Po- I think it was, it was Cade Povich who goes, "Oh, this is what it is." And I'm like, "Wow, that's kind of cool." <laughs> so yeah, I, I had it explained to me by Cade Povich. Perfect, nice, like that. No, no, no clue, no yeah. clue. <laughs> yep. We've handed out a most outstanding Timmy Award on this show, guys. Hey. Can we go vote three for three unanimous most outstanding Josh <laughs> Award to the sure. man in the producer chair tonight? Or at least second, at least second to the four-year-old that, that took the crown. Yeah, but eh. that's pretty cool. There split vote, split national championship. <laughs> All <laughs> right, but you guys have kind of talked about the whole Aaron Rodgers situation. That's where we go for topic number two. Supposedly, San Francisco offered a pretty big package of draft picks and players to the Packers last night. They turned it down. Rodgers voices his uh, disinterest in returning to the organization. Today, some of his preferred trade destinations include Oakland and Denver, along with San Francisco. So we're going to have you guys call your shot here. Name the starting quarterbacks for Green Bay, San Francisco, Oakland, and Denver this coming Ooh. fall, as well as the next host of Jeopardy. Jeez, there's a lot there, a lot to unpack there. <laughs> take us take us one by one through it. One by one. All right, yeah. so first starting quarterback for Green Bay this fall. Hmm. I'm gonna Man, say it's still. Hard. I'm gonna say it's still Aaron Rodgers. Really? No chance. No chance. He's still there. But I don't. I don't know that that uh, okay, Jordan Love starts. <laughs> yeah, they gotta um, get someone then. I'm just gonna throw throw a dart at the board and 
Maybe I will say Jordan Love. I'll say Jordan Love, but I say they draft one of these one of these guys in the first round. Yeah. Tonight. So yeah, give me Jordan Love. All right, San Francisco starting quarterback this fall. You go first this time, Ben. Um. I'll say Jimmy G. Hmm. But it's a grooming scenario, and I think uh, you know eventually that that he's out of there. So I'll, I'll play it safe and say Jimmy G. I'm with it. It's Jimmy G. They draft Trey Lance tonight and let him kind of be groomed by Jimmy G. Very nice. Now the two in your favorite team's division, Denver and Oakland. Oakland is uh, is still a car. I think Agreed. that's still, still going to be it. Now Denver, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say Teddy, Teddy two gloves. Oh. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have any reason to believe that that's not going to well, be a the minute. case. What, what are you Aaron? doing with Rodgers? You, you, did, you kicked him out of Green Bay. You he's, put him him for the he's going category. someplace else. He's going oh. somewhere else. All right. Yeah. Is he your pick for I, Jeopardy host this fall? Yeah, sure. Yeah, he can host Jeopardy. <laughs> there, there, there's his home right there. Okay, I, I'm going Drew Locke, still, still going to be the quarterback in Denver. Bridgewater will be his backup. Uh, I said Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay, and he will not be the host of Jeopardy. Who will be the host um, of Jeopardy? I, we were diving deep into this earlier. It could be Ken Jennings. It could be I'm one of the more recent favorites has been lavar burton he's guest hosting uh in a couple of months yeah i haven't seen him do it yet that's that's tough because i haven't seen him do it yeah uh I, i've liked a couple of the people that have done it ken jennings was fine um i didn't particularly care for katie couric um yeah. what about dr oz was he did he no <laughs> i wasn't no. a big fan of him either i thought aaron did a good job at the no, time he, he's he just fine. not right the time right. he's just not right for him to be the guy yeah so yeah give me lavar burton give me that wild card all right i like him all these predictions have been written down, and we will revisit them nice. at a time to be determined. And by the way, Good. Trevor Lawrence was the number one pick by the Jags. So there you go. Yes, breaking news. Shocker. I suppose we should have had our drafts sounded. Oh, yeah, there we go. With the number one pick, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars select uh, Trevor Lawrence. Clemson. Sorry, I, I was slow on the trigger there. I just, you know. <laughs> all, right. Um, all right, moving on to a baseball topic, the Pioneer League, which is an independent baseball league, announced earlier this week that it will not play extra innings this season. Instead, they will decide tie games with a head-to-head sudden-death home run derby. So at the end of nine innings and the game is tied, one player from each team will get five pitches, and then a player from the other team will get five pitches if they end with the same amount of home runs after that. Then the next hitter from each team will get a chance until a round ends with a player having more homers than their opponent. So if you guys had to pick one current Husker and one current member of your favorite MLB team, so for all three of you, the Royals, to send to the plate for the first round in this situation. A home run derby, five pitches, who would it be? I'm taking Chick. Damn Chick, all right. Okay, he's off the board. Yeah, let's do this. As a, we, we all have Draft. to come up with different answers, yeah. yeah. So well, I somehow ended up with the number one pick, yeah, so you, I'm happy you, with that. You jumped in first. <laughs> you buzzed in. You go Cam Chick. Give me Max Anderson. yeah. Um, I know that uh, Jackson Hallmark has kind of turned into more of a uh, an average hitter, but he has shown power throughout his yep. career. So I'm, I'll go Jackson Hallmark. He's competitive as ah. can be too. See, I, I don't mind picking fourth here. There's a couple good guys left on the board. I think the obvious choice is Luke Roscom. He's done it a time or two, but a couple dark horse picks and Leighton Banjoff and Jack Style. But I think I'll mm-hmm. I'll stick with Luke Roscom. Okay. All right. Good. Now, Royals. Now, do, we, do we go reverse? I'll go last. Yeah, I'll go yeah. last. All right. Uh, in that case, 
I'll start off with Salvador Perez. I think Jorge Soler might be a more obvious pick, but he scuffled a little bit. Salvi's pretty clutch, so I, I trust his his instincts at the plate in a situation like this. So I'll take my team of Luke Roskam and Salvador Perez. Nice. I, and I'll jump in here. I'm obviously Twins fan, so I'm not going to pick a Rose guy. I'll go Nelson. Oh, you got a tough, to, yeah, yeah. tough decision here. I'm going Nelson Cruz. <laughs> so. Not William Ostadillo? No. <laughs> I'll t- I, will take, I will take Soler. Okay. Nice. Um, I mean, I, that gives me what? Hunter Dozier or Carlos Santana? Benintendi? I, I, Michael I don't, A. Tater? No, Nikki I don't. Lopez. I don't think. I don't think Nicky Lopez has it. Has it in the tank. I'll, I'll go. Um, I'll go Dozier. I'll say Hunter Dozier. All right. Now, I. To be fair, I do. I hope that that, as cool as it is, maybe in this league, I hope it doesn't ever no. make its way into the majors right. no. or even college. What an awesome! My dad told me about this yesterday. That is an awesome idea. It is. I would it's love cool. to. I would love to be the player selected to do that and i would also love to be in the stands for one of these oh games. yeah it would be it would be fun but i would hate it if it became a permanent thing in major league baseball that would does be- the does the nhl still do the shootouts yes mm-hmm. in yeah. regular season it's kind of like that yeah it is it is all right back to something somewhat nfl draft related obviously the jaguars did end up taking trevor lawrence at the number one overall pick but earlier today they were linked to another quarterback <laughs> attending a workout uh, that quarterback former new york mets prospect and cocktail party participant <laughs> tim tebow he also moonlighted as a quarterback in the nfl for a few years uh, he's supposedly now open to the proposition of switching positions and playing tight end do you guys think tebow should have made this move earlier in his career or do you think he would have been out of the league even if he tried the switch earlier i think he just needs to hang it up just <laughs> yeah. give it up dude it, it, i mean from that to, to the baseball stint it's Find something else. Find something else to do. I do think he might have made it in the NFL as a tight end if he yeah. had decided to do that right out of college. But that ship sailed. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago it sailed. Yes. <laughs> he last played that, in 2012. So here's the question wondering. that I came up with when Austin was telling me about this uh, as his topic. What is there anybody else that has been out of the game as long as Tebow has like hasn't played in a you know NFL MLB NBA game that could come back and like still maybe make a go of it is there anybody that you can think of that the first the first guy that comes to mind did it last year and that was Alden Smith yeah from the okay. Cowboys mm-hmm. yeah because he was out, he was he was out of the game for a long time but for other reasons I mean yeah. he was um, politely asked to not play football for that <laughs> amount of time as he got other part of his life back in order. But that would be my pick. Yeah. How many times did Ichiro come back? <laughs> yeah. And, like, yeah, even when he was a coach, like, a, yeah. you know, he would – they're still like, oh, could he possibly play? Yeah, that's a good point. Marshawn Lynch? Yeah. That's, good. Well, that's pretty go. good. There we go. Yeah. No, the whole – I feel like even though he's been – hasn't played since 2012, he still has kept his name somewhat relevant. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, he's been he, on TV yeah, he for and, sure has. Yeah, so – all right, uh, we're, we're going to stick with the tight end position uh, for our next topic. We're all used to Rob Gronkowski being in the news for doing crazy things, and this past week might have topped all the previous moments. He decided he wanted to break a Guinness World Record for catching a football from the greatest height, and he did it. Standing in front of the Arizona Wildcats football team, he held on to a ball drop from a helicopter that was 600 feet in the air, oh. and he did it on just his third attempt. 
So a couple questions for you guys. How many attempts would it take for you to do this successfully, or would you be able to? And then also, who would be your pick of a Husker football player, past or present, to accomplish it and do it in just one try? Jordan Westerkamp. Yep, that was yes. the first one that came mm-hmm. to mind the for me fir- too. Yeah, that's the first guy. Hmm. Um, and how many time? How many attempts would it take me yeah. to do it? Or could you do it? Do you think you? Because I, I mean, like, obviously okay. So here, here, here's what, here's what my approach would be to to answer this question. I'd have to stand out there at the fifty, yep. and see how that ball's coming down before I could tell you if I could do it or not. Yeah. Assuming I could, give me like, I don't know. 10 tries, 10, 15 tries. Yeah. I kind of want to have like a sports science done on this so you know like what the velocity of it is yeah. coming down. Like there, it might be a thing where I don't even want to try it because it's coming. Break your hands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks. Um, my hand is up right now. That's me. I ain't trying that. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Greg's out. A- anybody whack, whack anybody on besides the nose Westy that, that would be a good candidate, though? Mm. It's a former Husker or current Stanley? Husker. Yeah. yeah. Um, Quincy? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You need guys. Uh, I'll I'll go with a guy from uh, my neck of the woods, Matt Harry, and back in the day had really soft yeah, hands. Sure did. Nice. How about a Marlon Lucky? There you go, non-wide receiver, mm-hmm. athletic, can move. If the I ball's like not it. dropped straight down. There you go. I nice. like it. Greg, would you be the one to drop the ball from the helicopter if you're not going to give it a shot <laughs> to catch it? There you go. You can be uh, laughing uh, at people from 600 feet. I would do that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd hang out, hang out there and <laughs> let her loose. Fair. You can be part of the world record, too, that way. Look at that. Nice. Is there a video of Gronk doing this? I, yes, there is. There is. Yes. Yeah, there is. It's got to be impressive. It is. It's uh, I, 600 feet. Like it, Obviously, it sounds like a lot, but, it, yeah, you watch it, and it's even more impressive. But I, if there was one guy to do it, I guess it's Gronk. He is <laughs> isn't, isn't he a guy that retired and came back, too? He is. He is. Apparently now he's going to start returning punts, if this <laughs> is any indication. Yeah. Josh, you can hit your sounder again. Yeah. Oh, there you go. The Jets take Zach Wilson, the quarterback from BYU. So no surprise. Now the pick, right, guys, is San Francisco picks. Now, we're, now I need to be yeah. on my game because this uh-huh. is actually breaking news when we get yeah. a pick. All right. While we wait for the next pick, let's talk some French fries. How about that? A Seattle chef posted on Twitter about his (laughs) restaurant's newest offering, an item called, quote, lots of fried potatoes, end quote. And it's exactly what the name suggests. It is a to-go box of sorts filled with your standard French fries, some shoestring fries, curly fries, and tater tots. So two questions. What's your favorite fast food French fry? And what's your go-to dipping sauce for said French fries? Uh, Runs of fries and ranch, please. Oh, the crinkle very, very fries and runs are good. Yeah, right. Runs of fries and runs of ranch. Now, I, I'm a crinkle fry or a tots guy. I, I, Ooh, I'll, okay. Those are my two. I, I think Sonic has pretty good tots. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, those yeah. runs are good. I, I'm shocked Ben didn't say in and out But, uh, you know, runs <laughs> is good. If anybody says in and out I'm turning my mic off for the night, and you guys can finish the show. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. I've never been in and out so they don't have to give me crap And, and I, I'm boring. I'm a ketchup guy. That's, that's, yeah. my, that's my dip for well, fries. Yeah. Oh, you can, you can't go wrong with, uh, with Runza's crinkle cut fries, but I'm a big uh, Arby's curly fries. Those are, those are solid, too. So Have you tried Arby's new crinkle fries? Yeah. I, I, Austin and I were back here a week or two ago, and we saw a commercial for those, and we're like, "What is Arby's doing? They're they're known for their curly fries, and they're trying to go in a different direction. It's it's odd, but anyway, I uh, like their curly fries. I know, me too. Yeah. I don't know what why they would 
think of doing anything different. But all right, well, we'll move into our last topic here and go back uh, to baseball. Last night, the Atlanta Braves absolutely blasted the Chicago Cubs 10-0, and Ben's guy, Freddie Freeman, had himself a night, starting out 4-for-4 at the plate with a homer, a double, three runs batted in. And then when he came to the plate for his fifth at-bat, he was facing Cubs first baseman Anthony Rizzo, and here's what happened. Two balls, two strikes. Oh, he struck him out! (laughs) Look at Rizzo! He can't believe it! So he got him with the curveball, kind of a fun <laughs> moment there. Uh, a couple questions for you guys here. First, which MLB position player do you think should get a shot on the mound who hasn't pitched yet in their career? And then second, if you could step in the box and face an MLB position player pitching to you, who would that be? So it could just be, you know, somebody that you think would be easy. Like Williams Acedillo last week was throwing 46 mile per hour yeah. little <laughs> floaters in there. So maybe you want an easy one like that. Or maybe it's somebody like a Mike Trout. You're like, wow, I could face Mike Trout, but maybe still have a chance against him. So there's a couple Mike, questions. Mike there. Trout was, was where my head went immediately was, uh, you know, just to hit off Mike Trout would be awesome. Yeah. Um, who would I want to see pitch? Hmm. Who was the guy we when you and I went to the Brewers Dodgers game that pitched? Aaron Perez, <laughs> and he was throwing like fifty five, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. And then he then he and then he reached like back and threw like eighty four. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Give me like a Cody Bellinger, someone with just an absolute hose. Yeah. Just to see how hard he could throw. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anybody that just has a really good personality that would be funny to watch pitch. Salvador Perez would be good. Yeah, yeah. that's he good. Would be. I mean, Rizzo was actually really good right. last really night, too. He was laughing, and he was shaking off. And yeah. yeah, and that's why. <laughs> that yeah, that's what brought the topic to mind. One, because he struck out Freeman, which was hilarious, but uh, his uh, whole yeah. demeanor. I'll take one of the cheaters. Give me a Jose Altuve. <laughs> that would be hilarious. That's a good point. A little five-five guy out there on the pitching. <laughs> That's great. And who could I get? One? Who would I want to face? Yeah. Who would you want to face? Like either because it would be kind of like a, a cool moment for you, or just because you think you would have a chance against him. Ben, you already said Cody Bellinger. No, you, that's who the guy you would. He said Mike that's Trout for who he would. want Mike to Trout face. is who I'd want to face. Yeah, man, I, nobody really comes to mind. I, you know, I, I'm trying to think of some kind of little, uh, little shrimpy guy who's like a utility infielder that I <laughs> might be able to at least D put Gordon? bat on ball. Nicky Lopez. What about maybe growing up? Like if when you're Greg Sharps, you know, like growing up and and is a baseball fan. Who's a player back in your? Oh. I'd love you, to face like Buddy Biancalana, the former Royal. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, there you go. That's a so name like right that. there. That's good. Good stuff. Yeah. It's time for face-off. Let's go! Let's go. Mano a mano. You me, right here. Right now. Now, here are your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Austin Orman. Welcome back, Ben. Feels great to be back, and now you don't have to do this alone. I liked it better when you were gone, Ben. I'll be honest. <laughs> Jeez. 
We Nothing say, personal, but it was a lot better. <laughs> Things went we better did, for you, huh? We did yeah. say last week, kind of nice on having Ben and Tim prodding us as we were trying to make our picks. Yeah. Hey, I, I haven't prodded. I, I, I don't think I, I'm, you know, as... You're not as... Uh, I don't harass as much as Tim yeah. does. You don't agitate as... I've been in the seat, so I, I you know, right. I know not to poke it too much. Not as much Tim, as Tim. Tim has too, but he still does. Doesn't stop him. It's true. That's true. It's true. Good point. All right. I'm nervous. Not going to well, lie. So winner takes all, yeah? Winner well, winner takes at. on Austin. Austin's back at, has another chance at the belt. He he uh, had his chance against you, Ben, a while back and missed out on it. And now he, he'll have another chance against either Greg or myself. Okay, here we go. Well, from what I understand, the Jackson Jag, Jacksonville Jaguars were a part of uh, face-off last week. And I hope you guys stuck in your Jags knowledge here for oh, the no. first question. <laughs> Here, uh, here tonight. <laughs> All right, before tonight, oh, so boy. Trevor Lawrence excluded, I just want to know three first-round Jacksonville Jaguar picks. Greg? Okay, Greg. Blake Bortles. Yeah. Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles right, back in 2014. I'll, I'll play, I guess. So you can just Only do need any, two more. Year, any year? Any any first round oh, from the Jaguars. All right. Ever. How about Leonard Fournette? Show me Leonard Fournette. Fourth overall in 2017. You're putting Byron. Austin to the test here. He's like having to search through an entire Wikipedia page over there. <laughs> Thanks to Ben for providing the link. Yes. By- Byron Leftwich. Give me another quarterback. <laughs> How about Byron Leftwich? Uh, there you go. <laughs> Get there eventually. Sorry, guys. All the way up to 2003, he was seventh overall. I, I thought about going five, but I, I didn't think you could get much past three. So yeah, that would have been tough. I yeah. Could we have gotten? Let's see here. Jalen Ramsey, Jaylen Dante Ramsey Fowler was the first Jr. One. Yeah, that was the first one I thought of after Luke Yokel. If for some reason Greg no. had not been well, able Blaine to get Gabbert, three, I yeah. thought Blaine Gabbert, Gabbert would have been yeah. one. Just Justin because. Blackman. Yeah. I didn't remember where Gabbert got picked. I didn't uh, remember who picked him. Yeah, that's a good point. So going past three, I think would have been a. Maybe I should have said four <laughs> then. Yeah. I if think, we had gone past that though, I think I would have had the steal because I had Jalen Ramsey ready to go. He was locked yeah, in. I'd forgotten about him. <laughs> okay. Well, All right. Greg, Greg's I'm up back. one category. We'll we'll go past three for question number two, but we'll stay in the NFL draft category. Name the five schools that have had multiple wide receivers taken in the first round of a single NFL draft before tonight. Josh. Josh. Can you – I'm sorry, I shouldn't have buzzed. Can you repeat it? Yes. So, essentially, five schools have had two receivers picked in the same first round. Alabama. Yep. Yeah, Josh, Alabama. Here we go. Very nice. Sorry. I, at first I thought you said Big Ten schools, but, no. yeah, just any Five school. total schools. Um, Pass or play? I will play. So I'll go with, hmm, let's try Florida. About Florida. Um, yes, indeed. Hmm. USC, maybe? The Men of Troy. Good guess. They were on my list. Um, So two... Okay, yeah. Let's see. Two down, three to go. (sighs) 
He's gotten what Bama and Florida. Indeed, he, he has. Yeah. Okay. Bama and Florida. Bama just last year, in fact, with Jerry Judy right. and Henry Ruggs the third. I was gonna say they. Before that, they weren't. They will really tonight again. Yeah, exactly. Yep. That's the. Um. Mm, has Clemson done it? Is Clemson a guess? Yes. Oh. Nope. They have not met those criteria. Three on the board. Only one strike to go. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, first, like, I, I'm thinking of teams that have good wide receivers, but that's not necessarily meaning that they're going two in the first round. can't believe USC wasn't on there. Yeah. Um, let's try Ohio State. The, the Bucknuts. Indeed. Hmm. Ted, Jin, Ted Ginn, Ted Ginn Jr., Ted and Ginn. Anthony Gonzalez. <laughs> Hmm. Interesting. That's not that's not the era that I was going for. I would I would have said <laughs> Ted Ginn Jr. and Santonio Holmes. Oh yeah. Um. All right. Still two on the board. One strike to go. Back on beam potentially. Maybe. Let's see. <sighs> Show me Oregon. Show me the Ducks. Not the Ducks, although they did just have Panay Sewell taken by it. Yep, he the went to Lions. the Lions with pick seven. Yep. All right, two schools. He's not a wide receiver. He is not. Well, maybe maybe they'll drop some sets for him. But two on the board. Greg's potential to steal. Right. I got two schools written down. What if they're both right. of them? Then you get a bonus point? Don't know if we do bonus points in face-off. We'll have to consider that if it comes up. I'll go LSU. About the Bayou Bengals. My other one was Florida State. It would have been in the right state, but not the right institution. Miami. Miami with Reggie Wayne and Santana Moss. Yeah. Where the two LSU had Dwayne Bowe and Craig Davis. Good thing I went LSU. Yeah. All right, right, Josh, we need to bounce back here. And I kind of feel responsible because, you know, you didn't want me involved in this. (laughs) I blame you 100% if I lose this. So just kidding. All right. Well, I do feel like Greg might have the upper hand on this question, but who knows? It's why we play the game. All right. beef. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Name the five opponents Nebraska played in the top five attended games in Husker baseball history at Haymarket Park. Josh. 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 Texas. How about the Longhorns? <laughs> yes, sir. They are. That was the fourth. Most attended game back in 2007. Pass or play? I'll play. Um, what about A&M? Texas A&M. Absolutely. They were one, the it? number one. Yes, yeah, number yeah. one and number four. So you actually right. have to go down to number six. So um, four diff- five, five different opponents is what right. we we're going with. And I... It's funny. I think I probably looked this up before. It's been many years. But that was, for whatever reason, that was the one that stuck in my head. Um, three left. What about back when uh, UCLA came here? Maybe How about UCLA. That was an unbelievable UCLA team. The only problem with that guest, Josh, it was like cold. forty degrees. Yeah, it was cold when they played. Um, does is postseason included? Uh, hey, uh, yes. I'll just say Haymarket Park games that Nebraska was involved in. 
Hmm. Market Park. Um. Kind of guessing Northern Colorado is not one of the answers. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> you might be able to cross them off your list. Cross them off the list. I can't remember if they came here or not. Two left, two strikes to work with. I know. I'll try Miami. How about the Hurricanes? <laughs> Absolutely. Super regional. That was, yeah. I, hosted that Nebraska clinched and went to the College World Series. That was, I was a little fuzzy on that. I couldn't remember if we played them in the College World Series or if that was the super, but. Um, two left. Let's go back to the Big 12 and Oklahoma State, maybe. How about Oak State? Yeah. Strike two. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any, like, solid guesses left. Um, this was my problem last week, too, Ben. I would get all but one, and then Greg would steal, but... Fortunately for me, last week he wasn't able to get any, but missed all the layups. So far, you're you're uh, you're doing just fine in the ceiling category. You got the first one. Uh, mm, hmm. I'm trying to think of other postseason opponents, but I'm not coming up with any. Did we maybe play uh, Rice at some point? I'll say that. Oh, Rice. Right. Yeah. We did. Oh, that yep. You're thinking of uh, Buck Belzer. That was oh. the first oh, opponent okay. we played when we clinched the College World Series. There you go. All right, Greg, two shots. Yeah. Only need one of them. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that 08 regional the last time Nebraska hosted, but I don't remember how big the crowd got for that Saturday night game. Hmm. Uh, but let's go that. Let's go UC Irvine. How about the Anteaters? Nope. You were in the right year, and I remember looking this up once, and it's always kind of stuck in my head, and it's part of the reason why I asked a question. Other part is what could happen this weekend. They're not going to threaten that with the crowd restrictions, but Kansas in 2008 hmm. uh, was the third most attended game ever. Really? The other was the regional game with Creighton. At Haymarket oh, Park. They were in the regional oh, with Miami. Yeah. I don't know why there, I didn't say Creighton. That's wasn't there like a, a, a thunderstorm that came through for that game? I believe that is correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll take it. So Josh wins the category. We're 2-1 to one our score. That we are. Let's see if there's a thunderstorm coming through with question number four. <laughs> Name the five Major League Baseball pitchers with the most strikeouts after age 40. Josh. Okay, Josh. <laughs> Randy Johnson. About Randy Johnson. So all time, obviously. All time, yes. The impetus from this question, not that anyone's reached this, but Corbin Burns, 40 strikeouts before issuing his first walk and climbing. So age okay. 40, age 40, 40 strikeouts. Age 40 plus. Uh, I'll play Nolan Ryan. King of strikeouts. Believe it or not, he's on the strikeout list. Um, I don't know if this guy wasn't a big strikeout guy, but he pitched... A long time. What about Greg Maddox? Greg Maddox. 
Mad Dog not on the list. Hmm. <laughs> what about uh, Cy Young himself? Cy Young. He also did not rack right, up enough to strikeouts. Lock in here. Um, <laughs> Still three options on the board. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Give me one second here. One. All right. <laughs> that's what that's what Tim would say. <laughs> um. Let's see. Who's he gotten right? Randy Johnson and Nolan. Yeah, yes. Nolan Ryan. Um, okay. Age for reference. Plus. Nolan Ryan is number one. Right. Randy Johnson number three on this okay. list. Okay. Hmm. And this is all time. We're not. There's no cutoff year. From first time baseball has ever played <laughs> through, I suppose Today. tonight, but not being threatened <laughs> tonight. So. Um. My mind is going to a lot of different places. Uh, this is a weird one, maybe, but I'll go Bartolo Colon. Big Bart. <laughs> he didn't strike out very many guys when he got past 40. but <laughs> That he did not. So still three oh, options man. on the board for a 3-1 lead. Greg, Door to you. wide open. Jeez. A couple guys that I have on my list, I'm not sure if they pitched past age 40. Well, you can throw them out. No one's going to steal yep. from you. you yeah, true. throw out all the Think options. Think out loud. We won't buzz you until you give us a final answer. Well, Bob Gibson's on my list. Kurt Schilling's on my list. But I don't know if either one of those guys pitched that long. I'll go Bob Gibson. Going with Bob Gibson. Good guess. Good guess. Incorrect. So Nolan Ryan, number one. Randy Johnson at number three. Number two, Phil the Knuckleball Necro. Oh, see, I thought about two. him, but he was—I didn't think he was that big of a strikeout guy. Jamie Moyer at number four. Mm. And he pitched until he was seventy-five years right. old. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. the Rocket and the Rocket, yeah. Roger Clemens yeah. at number five. We, sh- we should have gotten that one, Greg. The other ones, and yeah. This game well, is I had tied. Schilling kind of down there with the teammate of Rocket. Mm-hmm. All right. Two, Who wasn't two? a Schilling a teammate of? That's true. <laughs> Yeah, and Jamie Moyer. <laughs> Jamie Moyer pitched for every. <laughs> they single. were probably team. Jamie Moyer was probably teammates with all these guys at some point. Yeah, God, point. you just don't think it. I know he pitched forever, but you don't think of him as a big strikeout no, guy. No, not at that's all. That's the no. thing. But after age forty, not many guys hold on. Well, that that's why long. I said Bartolo. I was like, I know he didn't yeah. strike out a lot of guys, but he stuck around. Yeah. All right, we're going to the association. We're tied oh, up boy. at two apiece. Utah Jazz starting lineup. <laughs> <laughs> nope. We're, we're going we're gonna to go with uh, Atlanta starting lineup where, where his brother Boban is, yeah. is, is on that. Okay, here we go. Name the three NBA franchises with the longest playoff appearance streak. Josh. Josh. Like in the playoffs. They, yes. Um, the Lakers. Los Angeles Lakers. They, they did not make King it in LeBron's Brown. first year. Yeah, I know. I, that was a dumb guess. Oh, so it's current playoff current streak. Current active playoff longest streak. playoff streak. Yeah. Gotcha. I knew that was a dumb guess okay. as soon as they said it. All right. Um, how about the Boston Celtics? How about the Celtics? Yep. They are third. So you need What's the two in front of them. Can you give Five us a number? seasons in a row. Five in a row? Yep. Yep. And they're, they're third, so the other two are in front of them. Okay. Uh, how about the Clippers? How about the, the Clippers? LA team. Oh. Incorrect. 
I will find out when you th- while you think the year that they when Lob missed. City broke up, they didn't didn't make it. Yeah, but that, that's been that's been a long time. But twenty seventeen, uh, okay. um, they're probably at four years and rolling. Yeah, 2017-18, they were two games over 500, did not qualify for the playoffs. Okay. Um, the Miami Heat. How about the Heat? <laughs> Unfortunately not. Once the trifecta blew up, it was over for them. Obviously, a run last year into the finals. Right. All right, uh, I'm going to stay in the East. How about the Raptors? The Toronto Raptors. Yep. Number one. They're on a franchise best seven years in a row making the playoffs. Have they clinched it this year? Or are they they are in trouble this year. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah, say. They're, they've been killed with injuries all year. One left. All right. One left. One so guess I've got and the, one strike. I've got Toronto and Boston. So I've got two out of the east. There's got to be somebody out west. Not the Warriors anymore. This question stems from um, the Suns clinching for the first time in 10 years oh, last wow. night. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yep. At first, yep. I thought that's what you were going to ask is the longest streak without making the playoffs. Well, I was, and then it was really hard to look up, so I changed it. <laughs> well, the this answer was right now is to the find case. the answers. Smart. All right. This seems a little odd, but I'm going to go with it. How about the Utah Jazz? How about apparently my favorite team on uh, face-off, the Utah Jazz. First of all, you have to name their starting lineup before I give you the answer. <laughs> Just five. kidding. Utah Jazz. <laughs> that two Unfortunately or three not. That's three. I'm out. Strike three. I'm out. Right. Oh, man. All right. Back to you, Josh. <sighs> I actually I think it might be an East team. That's the only ones that I could think of that I think have been in the playoffs a lot of years in a row. I'm going to go, and I, I don't know if they're at five or not, but I'll go 76ers. How about Philly? <laughs> Incorrect. The correct answer, this is one that part of the reason why I was excited to ask this question is because it kind of stumped me. The Portland Trailblazers. Oh, yeah. Six years. I thought about them. Yeah. In a yeah. Row with I thought about time. them. Yep. That's a good. That's good. So Toronto was seven, Portland was six, Celtics with five. Greg, your Jazz at four. Hmm. Mm. All right. All right. Okay. So got to stay alive here. Greg set up three to two, and we are sticking in the association here for topic number six. Playoffs drawing near. That's the impetus for this question. Name five of the seven NBA players all time with ten or more career postseason triple doubles. Josh. Okay, Josh. Russell Westbrook. About Rusticulous. Yes, sir. Player pass. So it's, I'll play. So it's the five players. Five of the seven. Five of seven with at least how many at postseason? At least ten career postseason triple doubles. Ooh. Um. What about LeBron? LeBron? Where's on the list. Good. Two for two so far. Um, maybe James Harden? The Beard. 
more known for his playoff failures and his playoff <laughs> triple doubles. Okay, fair. Good guess, nonetheless. He's had a couple, but not let's enough go, to qualify. Let's go back in time a little bit uh, and say Magic Johnson. Irvin. Love it. Indeed. Indeed he is. That is three out of the five that you need. Let's there are four remaining with two strikes. Stick in that era and say Larry Bird. Larry Legend. Yes, sir. Cleaning it up. He's cleaning it up. Uh, All right. One mm. to go. I, I, we had this uh, uh, a triple-double type question a little while back, and I said Oscar Robertson then, and I'll say him now, even though he wasn't correct that time. Going with O-Bob. <laughs> All right, I will I'm never use play his help it on Oscar <laughs> Robertson being, being involved. Uh, Great player. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's why yeah. I keep saying him. Uh, let's see. Um, Three options remaining. You need one and one strike left. I know. Uh, this is hard. This is really difficult. Hmm. I'm struggling to come up with somebody. Let's say the Greek freak, Giannis. Giannis Antetokounmpo oh. has not had enough. So, right. Give Greg me a correct for the answers series. you got to get Westbrook and LBJ. Right? That's correct. Yep, he has Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Magic Johnson, and Larry Bird. Magic. Okay. And it's playoff triple doubles. Yes. Ten or more career playoff triple doubles. <laughs> I think I threw this out last week and it was wrong. I'm going to do it again. How about Michael <laughs> Jordan? His airness. Airball. Oh, my God. Sorry, Greg. Right. Wow. Josh, the point. Here are the three you missed. Rajon Rondo. Uh, oh. Jason Kidd. Okay. Draymond Green. Jason Kidd's the Draymond only one I should have thought of. Draymond yeah, Draymond Green. Green's crazy. All right, game seven. Ooh. Let's go. Here we go. Okay. Just how we drew it up, Ben. In all fairness, this question seven has been hanging on since you guys started. <laughs> all right. But it's too good not to ask, all so right. we're gonna, we've, we kept it on. After, after Justin Turner splashed a home run in some guy's nachos, according to a poll, what are the five most popular Major League ballpark foods? Josh. Josh. Hot dogs. Show me hot dogs. Yep. Sure. So, again, this is only MLB, and, and this only is only food. ballpark foods. No drinks. Correct. Uh, well, let's say nachos. Nachos? All right, then. Um, nope. Cracker Jacks? Show me some Cracker Jacks. Funny right, aside, if I can for a moment, my wife and I were playing a game of Trivial Pursuit Steel, and uh, the question was, what are the two foods mentioned in the song? And my wife was so confident, she sang it. Da, 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 apple Jacks. Oh, no. And nope. I told her. And she's oh, I, yep. She knew it. She knew it. She's been to a ballpark. She's had Cracker Jack before. She's never living that one down. All right. Um, let's just say good old-fashioned burger. How about a hamburger? <laughs> Strike two. Mm. Um, we have a trade, by the way, in the draft. Uh -oh. Major League. Or Major Is League it draft. a... The Aaron Cowboys Rogers. have traded their pick to their in-division rival Eagles. So the mm. Eagles are now on the clock. All right. Um, 
I feel like this is an option at all ballparks, like chicken tenders. Is that something? Show me chicken <laughs> tenders. Chicken tenders are something. Right, They're not a correct answer. Again, door wide what's open. He, what, what's he gotten right? He's gotten hot dog and Cracker Jacks. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. I'll, I'll, like I'll go peanuts. How about peanuts? Yeah, just sneaking on the list at five was peanuts, wow. just ahead of Jeez. nachos. All right. Wow. All right. What was so the one we you, missed? Well, you two. missed two. Soft serve and a plastic helmet was number one. Okay. And pretzel. Uh, okay. Wow. I'm exhausted after that one. What a series. Holy cow. What Good a work, series. boys. Very well Josh, played. the curse of the trophy lives on. It does. I will yeah. be handing it back over to Greg. All right, I'll Greg pop versus in and Austin. Pick her up. All right, looking forward to that next Thursday. We're back on a sports nightly Wednesday night or Thursday night. We've already got the Thursday, right? I wish. What am I trying to make this week longer? I don't want to do that. We're two days out from the Derby. The run for the Roses back in its normal time slot. We had to bring back our old pal, Andy Weingarten, who's in Louisville and does some handicapping for us. Hey, Andy, how are you tonight? You doing okay? Oh, Greg, I'm doing I'm doing great. You know, it seems like it wasn't a year ago that we did this, and then I realized, yeah, it wasn't. We did this in November. So, yeah, you're, uh, yeah your body, turnaround. Your body clock's back to normal, right? You, you got it back on first Saturday of, of May. You got to know it's the Derby. Yeah, pretty much. Although this one uh, being May first, it's a little bit, uh, you know, still a little bit behind because we're still in April, and yet the Derby's two days away. But uh, that's how it works out this year. What are they letting in for crowds this weekend, Andy? Well, you know, initially they were gonna they were gonna limit it to about twenty thousand people, and I think they're going to double it now. They may have up to forty thousand people. Wow. Uh, initially, it was just going to be the grandstands, but it looks like they're going to allow a few people in the infield and a few in the uh, paddock area as well. So it's going to be about a forty thousand uh, person group. Uh, you know, normally you get one hundred and fifty thousand, so nowhere near that. And I know they'll take all the precautions, but uh, you know, even forty thousand. And that's a far cry from last year when the only people that were there were the uh, basically the trainers and the uh, and the jockeys. Yeah, it'll be a much better atmosphere for it this year. All right, it's the 147th running of the Derby. Everybody loves essential quality. What? Why? Why does everybody love this horse so much? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one, he's five and zero. Oh, that's a good. Uh, that's, a, that's a good start. Uh, the other thing here, like you've got a local connection. I didn't realize this till I was doing my research. The trainer is Brad Cox, who is a local Louisvillean trainer. No local trainer in 147 years has ever won the Kentucky Derby, which mm. I found just that was just amazing. When I heard that, when I heard that, we've had owners from around the area win it. Obviously, jockeys from around here, but no local trainer has ever won the Derby. And I think he's being bet down a little low because of that, because he's clearly not just the favorite, but he'll be a local favorite as well. Very solid horse. You can't argue with his five and zero record, but there are others that uh, have very similar records as well. He's the favorite coming out of the 14 post. You've got Rock Your World at 5-1 to one coming out of the 15 slot. Those are pretty good positions to start from, aren't they? 
Yeah, they are. They didn't used to be, but as the field has grown to the maximum of 20, it seems like you don't really want to be on the rail anymore, even though you can uh, you can save some time around that first turn. If you get too close to the rail, you almost have to you have to you can't get the big start because those two inside horses, if they go straight ahead, run right into the rail. So they either have to get out fast and move over, or they have to most likely wait until the traffic passes. And if you're a, a speed horse on the inside, uh, that that's pretty much pretty much now a guaranteed loser. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we get into your picks, what about weather? What, what kind of conditions are they going to be running this in on Saturday? It's going to be ideal. Now, we've had a lot of rain today. They had about two and a half inches of rain here in Louisville today, uh, but we're dry now. The rain's over. It'll clear out tonight. Uh, sunny tomorrow at about 70 and looks like mid to upper 70s and sunny on Saturday. So even though it was an extremely muddy track today, no reason why it shouldn't be a fast track by uh, Saturday. And I think there'll be some some fast times, too. All right, for a long time, you, you never bet the you personally would never pick the favorite, but that's changed a little bit in recent years. You've kind of leaned a little bit more on that, so I can't wait to hear how you're going to lay this one out for us. Let's let's go through your picks. Well, all right, let's start with the third uh, third place horse, and and you're going to find out very quickly that uh, I am not picking favorites. Uh, I've got <laughs> nobody's going to. Well, very few people are going to have this trifecta. Let's put it to you that way. I'm taking highly motivated as my third choice. That's huh. the 17 horse uh, outside horse. Will be uh, up. Should be up pretty close to the. Uh, uh, top, uh, near the lead as they uh, go around the first half of the race. Uh, he uh, put in a great effort with the bl- the bluegrass stakes. The only one that uh, beat him was a central quality uh, who beat him uh, towards the end of the race. So he ran a great race at uh, Keeneland. I think he'll run a good race at Churchill. And I've got the 17 horse highly motivated to finish third. All right. Very good. How about your place? Nobody's going to have this one, guaranteed. I went with one of the 50-to-1 shots. I went with the 13-horse hidden stash. My reason, the only horse in the race that is a pure closer, and I love closers at Churchill Downs, that last quarter mile uh, being you know just that straight shot. It's one of the longest uh, – closing quarters that are straight in the country this horse is good uh i don't i don't understand him at 50 to 1 he's he's uh been in the money five out of seven starts also has an interesting uh, uh sidebar where his trainer is uh victoria oliver would be the first women woman trainer to win the derby i don't think he'll win it but i think he'll be passing a lot of horses at the end my question is will he be 500 lengths behind at the beginning because you won't hear about him until the very end well man if that hits people are going to make some cash on this thing if he stays oh, at no 50 kidding. to one obviously he could move between now and race time but man that's all right that leads us up to your winner for the for the derby on saturday I stayed away from most of the uh, favorites. I went to kind of a middle horse. I went with the nine horse, Hot Rod Charlie. Mm. Uh, Actually was real close in the Breeders' Cup last fall uh, and has done really well in California. Uh, Ran a couple of nice stakes races there. Won the Louisiana Derby in his last race. Should be well-rested. Uh, hasn't run since the uh, middle of March, and they, I've heard some buzz 
that the horse is training really well, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes these guys know what they're talking about and sometimes they don't. I'm hoping this is one of the times that they do. So I'm going with the uh, fairly long shot. I think he's eight to one in the morning line. Wouldn't surprise me if he's higher than that uh, when they run, but I'm going with hot rod Charlie and, and his uh, sire, by the way, is Indian Charlie, which was a second place horse in the uh, Derby a number of years ago. So he's got some good bloodlines too. Yeah. You know, and I think their people were happy when they found the draw. I mean, coming out of that nine shoots, not a bad place to be. You're not stuck on the rail. Like you talked about earlier. So there you go. I love that. I kind of like that pick. In fact, one of our other guys has been honing in on hot rod Charlie. So you're making his day by saying hot rod Charlie. Andy, this is great. And one of the horses that everybody really loved is known agenda, but he's in the one hole and he's, he's a stalker. And he's going to have a hard time getting around the track because of being in that one hole. That's just not where you want to be. And I think if he had not been the last one to draw a post position, I think known agenda, if it wasn't the favorite, probably would have been very close to it. But that one draw it than one post is just, uh, it just doesn't look good. Great stuff. Post is 557 Central, 657 Eastern time. And again, the weather, your confidence going to be okay for this one. Yeah, should be great in the 70s, mid to upper 70s. Latest post time we've ever had. It gets later yeah. every year. It's just a matter of time, I think, before they're running it in prime time. It's going to happen. Yeah, probably right. Andy, great stuff as always. Will you join us again in a couple of weeks? Uh, absolutely. We'd love to do it. <laughs> we'll hold you to it, Andy Weingard. Appreciate it, Andy. Thank you. Good luck this weekend. Thanks. Thanks, Greg. Nothing good on TV anymore? Struggling to find something to watch? There's no crying in baseball! Well, we've got you covered. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. It's time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! All right, time to see what's on everybody's screens. Ben? I think this is the fourth segment in a row I've talked about this show, the one on Netflix, but I actually have something to report. Yeah, Finished it. Show. Really oh, liked it good. and uh, left me on a cliffhanger, so I'm pretty hacked off. You know, normally when the Netflix shows do an original, there are 10 episodes. Yep. This one, after episode eight, I'm like, all right, let's cruise on into nine. I'm ready to go. Nope. Done. Done. So not happy about it, but I what will be name watching again? season two. The, the one. one. The one. Okay. Good. It's good. Re- yeah. Recap it for us. Kind of give me a, a thumbnail what it was about. It's about the... This woman and this, uh, well, there's, a, there's this very small group of people that scientifically engineer a test that tells you who your one is. So, like, the, your, the one you're genetically compatible with, gotcha. um, like your soulmate or whatever. So, mm-hmm. gotcha. that's good. Josh? Um, so, we haven't actually watched it yet, but the, uh, the Handmaid's Tale is coming back out, and uh, Victoria was actually the one that was into it first. I didn't watch the first couple of seasons um, until after um, they I started watching with her, but I have kind of gotten into it. It's not my favorite show, but it's okay, and season four just released um, yesterday, so it is out, so we'll probably watch that at some point in the next few days. Um, it's on our list. Won a ton of awards. Yep. I mean, it is an award-winning show. And I'm telling you, Victoria would like Draft Day. She, she'd get right. into it with you. We'll put yeah. it on her list. Yeah. So. Austin, same thing for you. What do you got, Austin? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say Draft Day has to be on the list. That's really <laughs> about it. But keeping a stack with you guys, I'm just getting ready to grind that Indianapolis Colts film after the weekend. <laughs> so that's what I got on my docket. 
Who the, who do you want them to pick tonight? Um, someone good. <laughs> when are they? When are they up? They're not up. They, on they one, still they? got eight picks to wait. They'll okay. be number twenty-one. My right. guess is they go edge rusher or offensive tackle of some sort. Um, okay. I want him to trade for Julio Jones, though. That's what I want. All right. Back I really don't want the Chiefs to trade for Julio Jones. No, I don't either. Back-to-back Big his Ten guys. can stay on the side. <laughs> yes. The Big Ten is finally represented. Back-to-back picks. The 11th pick, the Bears take Justin Fields. The Cowboys with the 12th pick take Micah Parsons. So back-to-back Big Ten guys off the board at 11 and 12. Buckle up, put that phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. I have one episode left for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the Marvel series. It's really been good. I've liked it a lot more than WandaVision, which I enjoyed, but this one I've really, really locked into. How many into. episodes? It's, been fun. it's uh, only six, and I've yeah. gotten through five. So it's on Disney+. Plus. I have one more to go. I know they dropped it last Friday. I just haven't had a chance to get to it yet. But I just have one more to go, and I cannot wait. Nice. Sit down, pop some popcorn, and watch the end of that one. So Love it. There we go. That's the end of our Flix Pick segment tonight. This will do it for uh, Sportonic for the week. Ben, you and Nick will be busy tomorrow night out at Haymarket Park against Rutgers. This should be a pretty competitive series, and can't wait for the Huskers to finally get back home and play some games at home. No doubt. I am pumped. It should be a fun weekend at the yard. Again, they've sold out all of the reserve seats for the weekend. I've not heard if they've sold out a GA for any of the three days, but I would sure check at Huskers.com before you come to Lincoln or head out to the ballpark if there's any tickets available for that game. I am doing some football work tomorrow, so Ben and Nick have the baseball game. I'll be with Ben, Jeremiah, and Matt for the spring game on Saturday, 1 o'clock kick, 11 o'clock for pregame coverage here on the Husker Sports Network. For Ben McLaughlin, Josh Shokeman, and Austin Orman, I'm Greg Sharp. Enjoy the rest of your night. That first round, still half the first round to go, so plenty to watch here after we're off the air tonight. Go Big Red.